right, guys. Episode 39 of the Hot Grits Podcast, Season 2, Episode 19. I am Travis Jadon, and with me, as always, is Spencer Maddox. That's right, Trav. (laughs) You love saying that. I do, dude. We are brought to you by Coach's Corner in Savannah. Coach's Corner in Savannah on East Victory Drive, 3016 East Victory Drive, and www.coaches.net. You can call Coach's Corner in Savannah at 912-352-2933. Those guys are awesome. John Henderson and those guys have a lot going on. They have breakfast Monday through Friday now. Uh, rumor is that they might have breakfast coming on the weekend, so look out for that. Ooh, dude. Yeah, that would be a game changer. Uh, plus, all the sports you want, all the TVs you want, you guys already know that. Um, they also have the Rubbing and Grubbing NASCAR show. That's on Wednesdays. And then the Carl DeMossi and Chad Griffin local sports show. That's on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. So give those guys a listen on YouTube or on Facebook today. Uh, Spencer, we have... A lot of stuff to talk about. On the back end of our episode is Greg Talbot interview, WSAV sports director. Um, he dropped some big, big career news does, on man. the pod, which we're grateful for that. Uh, Shouts out to Greg for coming <laughs> on the pod, man. He was great. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. By far our headiest interview to date, I would think. Greg's a heady guy, dude. He yeah. gets in. He gets in there. He gives you uh, analysis of things that you didn't realize could be analyzed. Yeah, and that's, that's a word. That's his whole shtick. So you guys want to listen to that, and if you care at all about local Savannah sports, you'll want to hear what Greg has to say regarding um, his breaking career news. So um, listen for that on the second half. Uh, on the first half, Spencer, we'll do college football, NBA, NFL, and then we'll have a little story time. Yes, you, sir. You went to Orlando last week. Uh, I witnessed something truly incredible in a bar last week, so <laughs> multiple stories. Truly, yeah. truly incredible. Truly breathtaking stuff, and I mean that when I say that, breathtaking stuff. Um, but we'll start with Coastal Carolina, Spencer. Yeah, break this down for me, man. I wasn't able to see the game. I heard about the the uh, the branding after the fact. Yeah, it was the Mullets versus the Mormons. and Which no, is hilarious. Well, no dude. brand has ever been more Myrtle Beach than the Mullet. Uh, I think we all know that. Perhaps the jean shorts would be a close second. Um, and then a Gene Schwartz in Florida. Yeah. A dual, yeah. yeah. And then, well, no, no. I mean, Myrtle Beach branding. Mullet, yeah. mullet okay, number one. Gene okay. Schwartz, I would think close second dual seated motorcycle. Ed Hardy t-shirts. Ed Hardy t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. So we got a lot there to work with, but the mullets, the fighting mullets of coastal Carolina, the shots are number 13 in the latest college football playoff rankings and they are undefeated ladies and gentlemen and dude our Sa- coastal carolina Chanticleer. our savannah state tigers got stiffed in the top 25 they keep yet getting again. drafted they're undefeated they're undefeated yeah they haven't played a game but they're undefeated have man. they lost yet spencer no okay that's what i thought so demasi for prez bro <laughs> yeah uh we will hit let's 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 leave coastal carolina because that was we're recording this on thursday that was a minute ago now but that was a big big win for them over byu um the college football playoff rankings have georgia at number nine, the top six remain the same. Ohio State is somehow going to backdoor their way in to this college football playoff thanks to the Big Ten helping them. They are only 5-0, and um, and they are going to play in the Big Ten title game. And they're not going to play Michigan, which is huge. Yeah, but, yeah, before game, we get to that, let's talk about the Coastal Carolina game versus the, BYU. Well, I mean, you really want to discuss it. We're like five days out. Like, sure. It, it was a big win. I mean, yeah. But BYU only had three days really to prepare for Coastal Carolina, which... And I know it's the opposite, but Coastal Carolina's offense is really incredible. Not to get too nerdy on you, Spencer, but... You were big, as far as betting goes, you were big, like, Mormons move the ball guy. Like, you were always... Mormons score points. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not the over in that game, but um, I did see something that had 
so Ohio State not playing this weekend, right? Right. Michigan game canceled. Coastal Carolina off this weekend. Texas A&M off this weekend. If Ohio State could somehow schedule one of those two teams, um, that would go a long way for Ohio State getting in the college football playoff. It would also go a long way for, like, what if Coastal Carolina could somehow beat Ohio State and add that and become 11-0 with Ohio State, you know, as another win? That would be incredible. None of that's going to happen. But I did see, Spencer, they would have, Las Vegas would have Ohio State if for some reason they played at Coastal, which would never happen. Yeah. At Coastal, Ohio State minus 21 and a half. Whoa. That's what Vegas would have it. I saw that on Twitter. That was roughly the same as the line against Penn State, if I'm if I'm correct. I mean, that's a that's a that's a huge line. That just tells yeah. you what Vegas thinks of the shots, but let them keep sleeping. Yeah, dude, dude keep sleeping on our boys from Myrtle. <laughs> dude, uh, you know you know, was... you know the last time Ohio State and Michigan didn't play? Mm, just if you had to guess. I would guess like World War Two. Oh no, friend. 1917 before prohibition that's world war one yeah really forgotten world war is world yeah. war one yeah yeah Slept we, on. we know that i'm a world war one guy the, the, the genocide wasn't there you know in world war one that's why i get slept on a little bit yeah world war two didn't have the, the sex appeal world war two was like the godfather too dude like it you know but i'm just saying i world know war... it was you fredo <laughs> world war one gets slept on though did you see what ed orgeron in the lsu Tigers did. Yeah, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> they self-imposed a bowl ban. Uh, LSU is 3-5 and five and perhaps the worst defending national champion of all time. We yeah. had this conversation earlier, yeah. Spencer. I said immediately the one that jumps to the brain post is Cam, Cam, yeah, post yeah, Cam, post Cam Newton. Yeah, post-Cam Newton, Auburn. But, but they you, went 6-6. Six and six. I, I think they did. They might have even won eight games. But either way, that team— I don't think they won that, eight games. That team went to a bowl game. Wh- who was the coach of that, that team? Gus Malzahn? Gene Chizik. Gene Ch- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Gene Chizik wins the Natty, then the next year coaches Auburn and then gets fired. Yeah. Tough. One year. Yeah. Ed, that's not going to happen to Ed Orgeron. No, it I won't. Think. But it, if Ed O had it his way, he would just self-impose nonstop every time. That Listen, they are 3-5. and five. They self-impose a one-year bowl ban this year. They have two games left. They could have gone to a bowl game because this year you don't have to have the six-game minimum. Yeah. Six win minimum to reach a bowl game. Um, but instead, they self-imposed it so they wouldn't have to go to a shit bowl game. And no one knows like what they're trying to get ahead of or what they're trying to get out in front of. I guess there's some off-the-field stuff or some NCAA stuff. But here's the thing. That would be like me self-imposing every time I play pickup basketball. I'm self-imposing a, a dunk ban. I will no longer <laughs> be dunking, and I'm self-imposing it. And that and for that, I deserve credit. Yeah, because I'm getting out in front of it. Do you want to self-impose any bands on yourself? Yeah, I'm self-imposing. Uh, post my diet and workout plan. I'm I'm no gym for the for two weeks, dude. I'm banning myself from the gym for two weeks. Uh, well, that's on noble. me. Hand that's up, noble of hand you. up. That's on me, dude. Yep. Uh, what else? Georgia Southern this weekend with App State rivalry game. Spinny Georgia Southern plus nine uh, against App State. Uh, I don't know how true they are, but there are a lot of rumblings about Chad Lunsford and Georgia Southern. And for whatever reason, I think there there are people in Statesville that are upset, really upset with how things are going under Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern. But his loss uh, to Georgia State earlier this season was the first loss he's had to a rival. He's beaten App State twice, both times App State was ranked, including last year at App State on Halloween when they were 18-point dogs. Georgia Southern went in there and worked them. And, I mean, 
they, so you're telling us right now to bet the Georgia Southern money line heavy, huh? I don't know. No, I don't know. Because Shy Wertz won't be starting. It'll be Justin Tomlin at quarterback. Uh, obviously, we know about Wesley Kennedy in that situation. Those right. guys won't be there. Uh, I don't know if I would touch that at all, touch that line. But that game every year delivers. I that's, mean, that's it, at App State this year, right? No, it's in no, Statesboro. Okay, it's in Statesboro. Which word? Big deal. But if Georgia Southern were to were to lose, and I think how they lose matters. If they were to lose this weekend, I think you would start hearing louder and louder rumblings about Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern. And they're not. They're, I don't know if that's right. They're not going to have Wes Kennedy this week. Right? No. Yeah. Or Shy Words. Really? I don't think they'll have Shy Words. Okay. They might. They might, but he won't be starting. Okay. I don't think. Uh, they beat F. Uh, Georgia Southern beat Florida Atlantic last week. They have seven wins. I mean, they have seven wins this year. I don't know what. I think off the field, there's some things not, you know, people aren't too pleased with under Lunsford. But, I mean, I, I don't know that I would even be entering the realm of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to. He's going to make a bowl game every it's single It's tough season. to get rid of a winning coach in a pandemic shortened year. Yeah, where like nothing is certain. I mean, yeah. who do you, where do you go from here if you get rid of Lunsford? And from everything I've seen following this team, and I have been for like three years now, I pay loose, pay attention loosely to Georgia Southern. They're not my main team, but it seems like he's done nothing but win. Like he's done nothing but turn the program around. Am I wrong? There are some things, and it's similar to Mark Rick at Georgia, right? There are some things that are staples of Chad Lunsford teams that aren't great. There have been arrests off the field right. annually. Um, Georgia Southern has won one game, one trailing at halftime under Chad Lunsford. That's one that's, game. That's an indictment. Years. To me, that's an indictment of the option offense, though. I mean, it's tough maybe, to come back. Maybe, but there are things like that. Um, and Chad Lunsford cannot change the option offense. That would get him fired before losing games would, in my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like so That's not his fucking fault. The option but, will never leave Georgia Southern and, and, you know, sands a coaching change. Yeah. There won't be an option coach there, and then they go to a non-option while the same coach is there. That, what if they were to bring in, what if they were to bring in, like, a a true, like, four-star quarterback? Like, a drop back. This guy just decides he wants to go to Georgia Southern for whatever, like, he's from Statesboro or something. Yeah, well, the thing is that you have to have a guy that, that learns this playbook and then learns the option either – you have to sacrifice a full year of him playing and learning or or else you have to allow him to sit. And I think right now they had Justin Tomlin and Sam Kennerson behind Shy Wirtz. If you can't learn that option offense behind Shy Wirtz, you can't learn it with anyone. But here's the thing. This will be the third offensive coordinator in five years for Georgia Southern. So I, I don't know that altogether there's a lot of stability on the offensive side anyway. And I don't want to get too deep into that, Spencer. But the yeah. point is that... The, there, for a team that's won seven games, they could potentially win eight games, nine games if they win a bowl game. Doesn't seem all that bad. One, one last thing on Georgia Southern, man. I, I want to know what Georgia Southern fans' expectations are for this team. Like long, obviously, you're not going to be contending for the college football playoff. They you want conference. I mean? championships. They want cha- conference championships. Yeah. And Lunsford seems like he's got them in contention for that every year. Every right? year, but every year it's the same thing, right? They, like. For instance, the last two years, they've beaten a ranked App State team. Both of the next two years, Spencer, they have gotten housed in the following week. Yeah. And so, that t- I mean, when you have the same kinds of things happen, that, that frustrates fans. And look, I, I think Chad Lunsford should stay, but the Georgia Southern fan base will not be happy if they lose yep. to App State this weekend. 
Um, I want to tell you guys about Buley Oaks Home Improvement. Buley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah um, will take care of any of your home improvement needs inside, outside, from your roof to your flooring to appliances, uh, your your walls, anything anything you need done, insulation, stuff like that. You want to call Tony at Buley Oaks Home Improvement, 912-667-5235. And that's Buley, spelled B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U. Call Tony, 912-667-5235. Uh, Spencer, right after we stopped recording last week, uh, two things happened. I think Wall and Westbrook got right. traded. But there was also a Wednesday afternoon NFL football game between the Ravens and Steelers. That game got more viewers, a 3.30 p.m. Wednesday afternoon NFL game. Than, it got more viewers than any single NBA Finals game this past year. What does that tell you? Uh, that there's 11 more, point something, by the way. I mean, obviously something. the casual fan watches football more than they watch basketball. Right. But I, I mean, mean, I mean, Wednesday afternoon at three 30 is, it was what was so shocking. Yeah. That it could still demand that type of rating. Yeah. I mean, it, the NBA had a tough go of it this year. Uh, obviously there was a lot of backlash with the black lives matter movement, right or wrong. Obviously I believe those people to be in the wrong. I didn't think about uh, but, that. Yeah. There was a lot of backlash there. Uh, it was in a bubble. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it was real. So, I mean, that makes sense. But NBA viewership, like traditional TV viewership, has been down for a while now. But I did read that they're more focused on the platforms and streaming. Yeah, the that. streaming has never been better. In like the NBA is breaking records as far as streaming goes. So there's there's it, that they got that to bounce back on. But yeah, I mean, football dominates TV now. I mean, they own every other sport. We've known that for a while though. What did you make of John Wall? And what's it, John Wall and a first-round pick go back to Houston yeah. or vice versa? Yeah, yeah, So John, John Wall and a first-round pick protected. Yes. Um, I believe it's lottery protected. Back, lottery protected? Yeah. Okay, so shit, that, could be, that could be a really low pick. Who knows? Uh, Washington trades Wall and first to Houston for Westbrook. And I don't know what to make of this trade, man. I, I really don't. I think the Harden stuff afterward is what – is where the importance of the wall Westbrook trade. Yeah, we'll get to that. Let's talk about the trade for a second. Just those two players. There could not be two more unique stars in the NBA. Maybe maybe lump uh, Ben Simmons into that. But as far as those two players go, I can't think of a more similar play style. They get to it differently. Uh, West is a little bit stronger than um, than John, but. As far as I see it, those two players were the only two players that could get traded for each other. You're not trading Russell Westbrook at this point in his career with what we know about him in the playoffs. You're not trading him for pretty much anyone else other than John Wall and vice versa. Um, it was really interesting to me that Houston got a pick back. That makes sense as far as, you know, Russell gives you a little bit more scoring than John Wall and John Wall's coming off that injury. But John Wall's also like a couple years younger. Um I don't know where this leaves Houston. Maybe John Wall is a little bit better of a fit next to Harden because he can shoot a little bit better over the course of his career, but I don't think he puts them over the top in any sort of way fit-wise. No, do I don't think? think either team I don't think either team has enough now where it significantly bumps them up or down. Right. I I think and I don't want to keep going away from Wall Westbrook, Spinny, but yeah. I just keep going back the, what happens with Harden and what has happened with Harden in the days after that trade, I think had Houston a bit shocked. 
Yeah. I don't think when they traded for Wall that they were necessarily expecting Harden to request a trade and then not show up for the opening days of practice. Now, when you don't show up during COVID, you you really set yourself back. Now you have to have six straight negative tests for COVID before you can practice. Right. So the, lot, the earliest he could come back would be Monday. What a lot of people don't realize is Houston has screwed themselves here. With They're going to have to trade Jimmy Harden. Oh, they have to. And I called Jimmy to Philly a few episodes ago. They have to, and the NBA won't let them... The, the the NBA will not let them let Jimmy Harden walk for nothing because you cannot have a franchise that damned. The it harkens back to the Nets, you know what I mean? Uh, whenever they made that trade with Boston, they you cannot have an NBA franchise that damned in that big of a market for that long because they've traded so many picks, dude. Think about the picks they they uh, they spent on Russ. Yeah, but Just you can right get there. them back. Yeah, they have to. They have to. But right now, they're demanding an all-star caliber player or like a superstar caliber player for Jimmy Harden. They're not going to get it. There's no way. Not not now that people know that Harden's winning out and that Houston's back is up against the wall. Yeah. I mean, I, so if they traded him to Philly, what would be a reasonable package in return? You got to get Ben Simmons and you got to get picks. Ben That's Simmons it. is the only player on the roster that could come back? I, I, I don't think you would trade for Embiid. That didn't make sense to me. Not when you have no one on the perimeter. You gonna you gonna pair John Wall and Embiid and just hope it works out? That didn't make sense. No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But one thing's for sure, you can't have Ben Simmons and James Harden on the same team. Mm-mm. Can you? I mean, I don't think so. No, I I don't think so at all. But the thing is that with with Doc Rivers now in Philly, that kind of I, I don't I don't know why I think this, but it it, it brings a bit of stability to them. In my mind, like they're they're not going to do something crazy rash. Well, that's because you're Celtics guy, dude. I don't know. You like, remember you remember Doc Ro- Ro- uh, excuse me Doc Rivers with rose colored glasses, man. He had more yeah, shit. I need to. I, I need. I mean, I'm conveniently forgetting about the last time he coached. Yeah, when they dude, were you got to just go ahead and get rid of 08. Doc Rivers has done nothing. I guess what as I mean, a coach. like it would nothing be like, since then. But I mean, like, and he's had a lot of talent the, around him. The organization. I still believe he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I, I like Doc Rivers, but he's he's not one shit, dude. Did he lift? Didn't he lift the Clippers to a different level? At least, I mean, not to the level they wanted to go. But what he, do you mean? He provided oh, you, oh, when they when they had provided, no one when they had just, they went from they went from uh, uh, Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, yeah, a perennial second round ceiling, yeah. Okay, and which then, that team should have won. River more. shows they up. Ran into, River they ran shows into. up, and, and they are the two seed and battling for the one seed. The whole time. I mean, it's not just Doc Rivers. I, I don't know. I just think that Philly is better off now with Rivers and, and that if they had Brett Brown right now, I don't know that Brett Brown would have any sort of say in what's going yeah. on with James. I have a feeling Doc Rivers is to me. Involved. To me, the signing was Daryl Morey. I I believe in Daryl Morey as a GM, even though he's left the If Rockets. they bring Harden to Philly, it's basically Houston East. Houston Coast. East, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Uh, the Falcons, Spencer to circle back to the NFL. Yeah, just keep Harden out of Atlanta, though. That's my only... You see a lot of Hawks fans clamoring for Harden to come here because they want to speed this thing up. Just keep him out. Dude. Could you imagine a worse fit than James Harden and Trey Young? I mean, I could not I, imagine... I couldn't imagine a worse two, fit. Just the, people, two people dancing around with the ball for no reason. And you no, will guard nobody. Yeah. Nobody will be guarded. Well, hold on. Before we circle back to the NFL, we have to talk about what James Harden did in the strip club, dude. Did you see that? No. Tell me about it. Oh, my God, dude. So... Instead of going to practice, he's 
essentially holding out, right? He goes, like, he tells them, I'm not showing up to practice. If you hold out for one day, then, you're holding out for six minutes. That night, dude, that night, he's on video in a strip club. He's not hiding, dude. He's, like, showing his face. The Lou Williams. Yeah. Well, no, Lou Williams was hiding. But he was wearing a badge from the NBA bubble. Yeah, but he was kind of hiding. He wasn't, like, trying to be mm, he on went video. To Atlanta. He went to Magic City yeah. for wings. He wasn't, he wasn't, like, intentionally showing himself on camera, Fair. which Harden was doing. Fair. So not only did he skip practice. He shows up. Now he can't practice till Monday on purpose, dude. He's got to have six ne- negative tests. The ultimate fuck you. Like, you imagine how many strip club visits he can get in in the next six days? Yeah. I mean, he might he might do it again, dude, just to extend the thing. And he, he's, I mean, he's like using that to get traded. And was he in Houston? At the stri- was the strip club in Houston? Yeah. That's so 20. He hung out in Atlanta as well, but that's so 2020, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it really like, is. The whole situation is. It, it, I mean, Houston's going to come out as the loser. Oh, yeah. The Falcons are considering for their general manager spot, and I don't know how strongly they're considering it, but there are rumors. ESPN's Lou Riddick, who is, I believe, in the Monday Night Football booth. He's also sort of the front office football analyst for ESPN. I really like Lou Riddick, and that would be the kind of hire that I would expect from the Falcons. And, and Spencer, I'll just say it. They're going to hire a black person as their GM. I really believe that because I think that there's been enough noise around it and there's been enough incentive floated around. Like we remember in the off season, they floated that rule that if you hire someone, you get draft pick compensation. Now it didn't pass. Remember that? Yeah. At the owner's meetings that if you hire a coach, like a coordinator gets you a seventh round pick the next year, um, a head coach gets you like a fifth and a front office leader gets you like a fourth. I think. Yeah. That didn't pass, but that's at least being floated. So I think the Falcons are, are definitely going to go that direction. If not for their GM, at, at least for their future head coach and maybe both. That would be insane, man, if do, they, do if they pass that. Li- oh, my God. They have to hire a GM pretty soon. Yeah. Because you got to start thinking about right after the season, like after the regular season, before the playoffs, that week, and especially that Monday is when coaches get fired, but that week is when coaches get hired. You want to have your guy in place to start interviewing head coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you think when you hire your GM, you're at at least three weeks away from hiring your head coach the day you hire your GM. So that process has got to get going pretty soon, I think. Who would you like to see the Falcons bring in as a head coach? Does any name immediately spring to mind? Um, I, I think that there's a lot of options that I would like to see them consider, but I don't think that they're going to go off the beaten path. Like I think you know, public enemy one is Eric Bieniemy, the Kansas City offensive coordinator. Um, I I think that uh, is there any smoke to like a Jim Harbaugh? No, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, absolutely not. I can never say his name. Absolutely, Harbaugh. Not. Absolutely not. Harbaugh. And as long as Artie Blank is there, I don't know that they're uh, they'll ever go the college football head coach route again. He got burned by Petrino. Yeah, he did. And they and that was an absolute job by them. But Jim Harbaugh, 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 Harbaugh. 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 Gosh, it's so tough to That's say. That's my mom's maiden name. Really? You know that? Harbaugh? Shout out to your moms, dude. Love that lady. But Segway. He's played, I mean, he's coached in the NFL before. He almost took him to the Super Bowl. He went to the Super so, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he went to the Super Bowl. That ain't an option for the Falcons, though. Ah, I wish, man. I'm I, a big fan. I like Byron Leftwich, too. He's the offensive That's not about it. Yeah. He's the he, offensive coordinator in Tampa. Uh, you know, also a black guy. Like, I, I don't want to. Also played for the Falcons. People forget. I did forget that. Yeah. 
I did forget that. That was the Joey Harrington Byron Leftwich year. They brought Byron Leftwich in because Joey Harrington wasn't cutting it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I think Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator in Dallas, is going to get a bad rap because of how bad they they have been. But he hasn't had a quarterback. I really like the stuff that they do in Dallas, and I think Kellen Moore in the next couple of years is going to get a look. He's the former quarterback at Boise State. He's the left hander. That would be an him. extreme. Yeah, I remember that. Would be that, an that extremely won't tough sell. Falcons, but I'm saying, it's, yeah, like I think dudes like that are going to start being at least floated around. Um, Let's talk no. about your Dolphins for a sec, dude. Yeah, they're rolling, bro. Eight and four. Two is four and one as a starter. No big deal. He's not playing no well. No big deal. He's four and one. Dolphins are eight and four. No big deal on either part. Uh, the Dolphins beat up on my younger brother's Bengals last Sunday, and the Bengals are really, really shitty. Uh, the Dolphins are really, really good. Yeah. They are heading down a gauntlet, though. Chiefs this week, then the Raiders, uh, then the Pats, then the Bills to close out. Nothing tells you that the Raiders might be a little bit of a paper tiger. Do you think that the when the Jets lost to the you saw that last week Jets lose yeah. to the Raiders last second like they yeah. send the house yeah and Greg what? Williams gets fired right do you think they did that on purpose I don't know not if you fire him immediately I mean I guess if he's a scapegoat but it just because Greg what what, what incentive would Greg Williams have to do that I don't what know. does he care about the number one pick he's not there anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think he's purposely trying to lose. What a they, way! What a way to go out though. What a way to lose, and it sucked because, <laughs> as a Dolphins fan, I hate the Jets, and I want the Jets to lose. But we're battling right now in the wild card with the Raiders. How can you hate the Jets though, man? It's like hating. I don't know. Because they're gross. They're like the Mets, dude. They're, yeah. Like, all their fans are. I don't really hate the Mets though. I like look down on them. You don't hate the Mets? I mean, I hate like I don't like them. They're a rival, but I like look down on them a little bit. Yeah, they're gross. They stink. Yeah. I don't like the Mets. They all wear like those single necklaces, dude. All of them. <laughs> Wait, hold that L, dude. Hey, hold this for me. <laughs> the single necklaces is. Uh, can we add that to the Myrtle Beach list? Yeah. <laughs> is that all right? Uh, the Steelers did the Dolphins a favor though, spinning when they when they lost. Uh, to the Washington football team. The Washington football team just went out and did the Lord's work. Yeah, they did. On Sunday. This, or, no, what was it, Monday? Tuesday. I don't even remember what day they did. No, I don't either. They lost. Steelers lost to the Washington football team, and I, I could not have been more pumped for my 1972 Dolphins. The champagne was popped. Still the greatest team of all time. Still the only undefeated team of all time. And still the first thing that everyone says when they find out I'm a Dolphins fan. Oh, 72 Dolphins, all right. Or the undefeated team, right? They usually don't even know what year. And then the next thing is, oh, Dan Marino. <laughs> That's it. Those are That's the two things. Got, dude. Those are two. And then every now and then you'll get like, oh, Wildcat. Wildcat was crazy. I just, I just love that they all. Once a team gets to like ten and 0, 11 and zero, they start bringing guys in from that seventy two team and talking about the undefeated. Like they're like basically rooting against the team. They don't want to see him win. They literally get together. Now this year they did it virtually and pop. Champagne. Hilarious. Mercury dude. Morris, Larry yeah, Zonka, yeah. all those guys, Bob Reese. Which that's fine. That's fine. But the <laughs> the guys having them on TV, like talking about that year and how they were special and how this team isn't special is fucking so petty. I <laughs> it's so petty. It's so great. I interviewed I the center for that team. He's a Hall of Famer, Dwight Stevenson. Played, yeah. played at Alabama. I interviewed him like three or four years ago. He was in Savannah for an NFL Hall of Fame award for a BC football player. And like the first thing he brings up is how you have to have a winning attitude, and that's how they went undefeated in 1972 in Miami. And, like, I didn't even get a chance to ask him about it. 
before he brought it up. It was the stuff of legends. Like he, he played under Bear Bryant at Alabama. Yeah. First thing he says, you can tell he's a winner. You can tell I'm a winner because I went undefeated in 1972. I'm a legend. Awesome. Could you imagine if Hank Aaron, like if Barry Bonds had to retire before he hit all those home runs or if like if he goes and doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, if Hank Aaron just like pops a bottle of champagne on national television or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> now that would be legend. That, yeah. that would be awesome. Hank Aaron was in the news this week. He, he gave an award to Freddie Freeman, uh, the Hank Aaron Award. That's how you segue. Yeah. Uh, stuff of legends, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Freddie Freeman, John Carr. John Carr Real Estate in Savannah. You want to call him if you're selling or buying any kind of real estate in Savannah. Um, this guy literally has cornered the market on Savannah real estate and he is red hot right now. Call him 912-228-0916 or visit johncarrealty.com. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 912-228-0916. That's John Carr real estate in Savannah. Spencer, uh, I wanted to tell you one thing about my, uh, NFL fantasy team this year, which I thought was legend. And then. We will move to story time, uh, you in Orlando and me witnessing um, an incredible, incredible feat at a bar in Savannah. Incredible feat, dude. My, uh, fantasy, my fantasy football team just got eliminated from playoff contention this past week. It was brutal. I play in a 14-team, no-division league, and it is for a healthy amount of change. But I, I thought it was nuts. Dude, this is, I, I'm historically bad at fantasy football. Yes, you are. Can't confirm. 14-team, Spencer. I come in dead last win two games, and I scored the most points in the league. Are you serious? The most points in the league. Do you also? I'm assuming you also have the most points against. No. Second most points against. But Incredible. I mean, you could not, yeah, you could not script it any other way. So like, you've had a few blow-up weeks mixed in with some really shitty weeks. I think, yeah, I, so I got, like, out of playoff contention in the last four weeks. I'm still trying not to come in last, and I've just been putting up 95-plus non-PPR every week. And losing. Like that's crazy. Stretch. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. I've um, never heard of that. I've been in a lot of fantasy. I've never, I've never seen it in I've my life. And no like one that. will give me the time of day because no one gives a shit. Yeah. But it is truly insane to score the most points in your league and come in dead last. I came in last by the second to last place person was two games better than me. You know how I eliminated my, myself from playoff contention? For, Forget to set a lineup? Uh, basically. So Lamar Jackson got coronavirus last week. I didn't see it. I didn't get Tom Brady in in time. Had I done that, I would have won, and I would be playing for a playoff spot this week. Didn't do it. He gets coronavirus. I can't even get, uh, what's his name, RG3, because somebody picked him up and stopped me from grabbing him. That I think they played that Tuesday. Game over. Season over. Sick, dude. Game over. Season over. Uh, you want to tell the people about your last week in Orlando? You took off for a few days and went. And went. You got to play Bay Hill? Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, like, dude. The clubhouse there was incredible. If you when you walk into the restaurant, they make you take your hat off. That's Arnie, that's Arnie's thing. Arnie Palmy alert. Arnie yeah. Palmy alert. It was awesome. I brought back some merch. Uh I got down there on Friday, dude. This was the Battle of Orlando. I got down there on Friday. Um, so I met up with some bartender friends that were like I knew from there because I didn't have anybody to hang out with that Friday. My cousins weren't uh, available until the next day. But I met up with some bartender friends and she was she was a girl. And like, I was just looking for people Ooh, to hang out she with. She was a girl. She was a female. I was just looking for some people to hang out with. And you know, we're, we're vibing, we're bouncing. And, uh, she goes to the bathroom for like an extended period of time with all of her friends. So I'm just like kind of standing there at the bar, 
not sure what to do with myself. Checking out your emails. Yeah. 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 Working, working on the podcast doc. Like right, you say, I never right. do. Right. Fuck that. And uh, <laughs> I get a text and I like, I've already sensed that something's wrong. Right. So I, I have one foot out the door. I literally pay my tab and I start walking to get a scooter because that was my other thing I was doing there, dude. I was just scooting around. And uh, she texts me and said, hey, one of my friends just got broken up with, so I think we're going to do a girls' night tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude. She texted you that from Yeah, she bathroom? texted from the bathroom, dude. And I, I was just like, no worries, dude. I'm already out. Like, it's all good. <laughs> I was like, Get me, let me protect my ego as fast as possible. How long were y'all and, hanging out together at the place before she went to the bathroom? Probably 45 minutes, but I had, I had said like – I mean, I was like bouncing around, like talking to like a few people. Like I wasn't just sitting in the group. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like I did anything weird. You know what I mean? I feel like you're hedging your bet here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm protecting myself, protecting my ego. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up having a great night. I went to the Corona Cigar Bar, dude. You saw that Did snap. you ride out from the bar on a scooter? Yeah. After that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I was vibing. That's an interesting look. It was an absolute vibe. And then the, <laughs> the next day I went to my cousin's brewery. Uh, Shout out. Love those guys, dude. It was awesome. And uh, if you're ever in Orlando, check out Sidewards Brewing. That was great. You um, versus Orlando. I've tends, got some legendary. Tends to be advantage Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Orlando gets the best of me. Atlanta's dominating the series, but Orlando tends to get the best of me. You're right. And, uh, dude, if you ever if you ever get the chance to play Bay Hill, it's great. I definitely recommend that. And Sidewards Brewing, again. So check that out. Let me. I want to hear your story. That's too. awesome that you got to play Bay Hill, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have a, a pretty legendary story, but I, I wanted to first. We forgot to hit on this Mayweather versus Paul scheduled for February, twenty twenty one. I thought about Orlando versus Spencer and about how Orlando has dominated you. I think Mayweather is going to dominate Paul in February. This is a major step up from from Nate Robinson. He was going from Nate Robinson to Floyd Mayweather. Did you see? You saw this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I saw the the Mayweather Paul is scheduled in February, right? February twenty twenty one. Are you like he's gonna fight like one he's of the greatest fighters of all time? <laughs> and we talked about it beforehand. Like who's we he said gonna Michael fight next? B. Jordan. Yeah, but he's gonna go ahead and skip that and go ahead and go <laughs> hit Mayweather. I mean, dude, what if I, I was thinking about this? What if he beats Floyd Mayweather? Man, like he's not going to. But what if Floyd like, Mayweather has to knock him out? Right? Yeah, you can't go the distance. No, no, no. You gotta. You got to hit him with the ones and the twos. It, dude, if he knocks Did Floyd McGregor Mayweather go out, the distance? No, he got he got TKO'd. Okay, but he didn't he didn't get like knocked out cold. Right, he didn't get 10 counted. He just got it was the the judge called it and he probably called it a little Hopefully early. they have legitimate referees this time instead yeah. of like Vinny Paziano or whatever. Whatever like the hell that was. Miles dude. Teller got But it. of course they will have legitimate referees and of course it's going to be slanted towards boxing cannot take Jake Paul beating Floyd Mayweather. That can't happen. For the sport of I boxing. I don't know, bro. That cannot happen. I mean... The sport's already on its last leg. You want to take... Could it be any more clearly, though? You want to take this generation... Like it's going to be black versus white yeah, in February. Like yeah, yeah, That yeah. is boxing 101. But this is this generation's, like, Jordan for boxing. Dude, that's that's the name everyone knows. don't like Floyd Mayweather. I don't like Floyd Mayweather. I love Floyd Mayweather. I don't I'm like TMT Floyd Mayweather. to the end. I know you do. You and your brother both. I don't like Floyd He's Mayweather. He's a man, baby. But boxing can't take Jake Paul. What if he knocks him out, dude? What if that happens? No this chance. is such a terrible idea for boxing, in my mind. You think it's lose-lose? Yes. I mean, there's not... I mean, it'll be fun. You know what I mean? But I give props to Mayweather. I give props to Mayweather because, like, this is... Me too. He doesn't have to do this. No. 
it's, he's going to make a massive payday. That's why uh, for he's doing sure, it. For sure. For sure. Like, let's not pretend like his motives are pure. But, like, I, he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't need that money. I mean, he's doing it, like, theoretically to promote the sport of boxing and no also make a check. Way. No fucking way. I want to hear this story, dude. Before we hit my story and we, and we close on the first half, I want to tell you guys, Crystal Clear Cleaning in Savannah, your carpet cleaning destination, they have gift certificates for the holiday season. So if you want to um, have a friend's house cleaned up, the floors completely clean, the, the carpets completely done before family and friends come over for the holiday season, you want to hit them up. You can go to crystalclearcarpetcleaning.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Or call 912-898-0050. Crystal Clear Cleaning, they do an excellent job in Savannah, and they are pretty much the name brand in Savannah when it comes to carpet cleaning. So call them, tell them the Hot Grits Podcast sent you. 912-898-0050 and crystalclearcarpetcleaning.com. All right, Spencer, I am in the bathroom of a bar last week uh, in Savannah. Uh, socially distanced, masked on, uh, and being safe. Standing in front of the urinal and doing what dudes do in front of a urinal. Um, And as I'm doing that, midstream, uh, two people walk in the bathroom. One of them is a female. One of them is a male. You can already see where this is going. Let me set the scene for you, though. The bathroom is a urinal and one stall, and they're right next to each other, right? Correct. Also, not the cleanest of bathrooms. No, and you know this establishment. Yes. Uh, they. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. They walk in behind me and walk straight into the stall. This, uh, you know, pair of lovebirds, and immediately, I hear as I as I'm standing in front of the urinal, can't can't go anywhere. Yeah. I'm midstream. Yeah. Can't go anywhere. You're stuck. I I just hear, sort of a thump on the floor, what sounds like maybe maybe two knees hitting the floor, and then I just hear basically the transaction uh, or the the act of showing someone how much you care for them yeah uh, <laughs> verbally uh for, you know with with the mouth that's what i hear <laughs> and i'm midstream and so i don't i start panicking and i just start flushing the urinal over oh, and over again while i'm standing in front of it man. i just flush it flush it flush it so i can't hear anything and then i sprint out of the bathroom and i find someone to tell because i i just like you won't believe it you won't believe it you won't believe, it. and I never saw the what they looked like because yeah. right when the door opens in a bathroom, you don't just like turn around and look who it is. I just heard two voices, and then of course there's space underneath the stall where you can see sort of what's going on. And if you couldn't see it, you could definitely hear it. So that happened to me, and I did need to say that in that bar, hanging up on the bathroom wall is a Hot Grits podcast sign <laughs> right above it. So Dude, you want to talk about not giving a shit? Talk about not give somebody the, fellatio in a bar bathroom in 2020. I that's, thought I was forgettable. I didn't know I was shit. that forgettable. Yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. know that people cared that little about me. Being oh, they around. didn't even see you, dude. They thought you were a wallflower. Could not care less that old Trav was yeah. there midstream. Um, <gasps> yeah, I was just flushing the urinal over and over again because, I, because you know, I, part of me was like, you know, that's sweet. It's yeah. romantic. Yeah. Two love And you also don't want to narc on them. You don't want to get a kick. No, the no, but I needed you to. You gotta like, be a bro, dude. You gotta you gotta let your guy. Of course, chalk yeah. one up for the yeah. dude. But I'm saying I needed to just validate and confirm it with somebody. So I immediately put it on the podcast talk and I was and, like, I'm telling you. And the now world you've about confirmed this. it. Yeah, now you've confirmed it with all of our great listeners. Yeah. Sorry so, for your ears. <laughs> yeah, there's a little intro, and you guys do not know how much or how many times I've tried to rehearse that story to tell it 
without being too vulgar. Hopefully, you got the point. I think everyone did. Uh, Spencer, do you have anything else before we get to our Greg Talbot interview? This interview is sick. Nah, man. Thanks again, Greg, for coming on the podcast. Uh, he was great. Anything else from you, Trav? No, but you guys will hear um, an ad in the middle of the Talbot interview, and it is about our bowl pick mania We're giving you guys a chance to win $150 cash for yes, free. Yes, sir. No ties at all. It takes two seconds. You just go to johncarrealty.com, click the drop-down menu, and go to the bowl mania. It's name, email, cell phone. That's it. Then you expect an email in the coming days with your invitation from ESPN.com to join the group. Free to enter. The winner gets $150 cash. So if you think you can beat us in a bowl pick which you guys can't, if you think you can, then sign up for free and, and put your money where your mouth is so so we can at least humble you in. Spencer, if we win, I'm taking the 150 bucks. Oh, yeah. I'm taking the 150 bucks. I'm taking the 150 bucks and going straight to Atlanta or Orlando. So get at us. Uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are now on Google Podcasts. Uh, tune in. All, all those kind of secondary podcast markets, we are on those now. So Spotify and Apple, as always, five stars only. Um, follow us on Twitter at Podcast Grits and on Instagram, The Hot Grits. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jadon Sports, J-A-U-D-O-N Sports. Uh, Spencer, how did those guys follow you? Uh, that's at Spencer Maddox underscore. And uh, don't forget Instagram at The Hot Grits. Yeah, uh, or, the, or the underscore in your Twitter handle. Yeah, don't forget, don't, def- well. don't forget that underscore, dude. All right, our interview with Greg Talbot, WSV Sports Director, is next until episode 40. Episode 40 next week. Can you believe it? Until episode 40, thank you guys so much for supporting us, um, and we will see you next week. Stay safe and wash your hands of filthy animals. Peace. What's up, HGP fam? It's Travis. I'm here to tell you guys about Braddy Electric. Since 1970, Braddy Electric has been the number one electric company in Savannah for industrial, residential, and commercial electrical needs. Call Braddy Electric today at 912-232-3240 or visit them at 1104 East 35th Street. That's Braddy Electric in Savannah since 1970. 912-232-3240. All right, we are joined now by a special guest, Greg Talbot, the WSAV sports director here in Savannah, has been there um, for, what, since 2016, right, Greg? Almost five years, buddy. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. I cannot believe it's been five years, but time flies when you're uh, having fun and throwing out hot takes um, and things of that nature. Greg, do you remember the first time that, that you and I met? Oh, gosh. I mean, it was probably when you were doing prep writing for, for, for Friday night high school games for the morning news, right? You and I probably crossed paths high school football nights. Close. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel weird for even bringing this up now because you clearly have no recollection of it. But uh, we met at Jenkins Baseball Field when I was coming off a two-for-three performance in a Country Day alumni baseball game. Uh, it was an event. I do remember this now. Yeah, I it, do remember this now. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was an event that clearly big time Greg would not ever attend, but you were new in town, so you, you might have thought that you know it was a meaningful thing to cover. So, but at least you got C two hits out of me. Yeah, I, I think it was probably one of those Wednesdays where there was nothing else going on at a certain part of the year. One of the interesting things about the Savannah sports calendar is there is a very clear demarcation between on the season and busy season 
and days where you're just like struggling to fill the five minutes at 11 o'clock. So, I mean, sort of along those lines, Greg, there's a, there's a bunch of different, I think Savannah is unique in this way. There's a bunch of different standalone and one-off events, uh, at, you know, aside from regularly scheduled high school and, and college games uh, there, you know, there's a bunch of races and uh, tournaments and, and things of that nature. Since you've been here, uh, have you found that you've been drawn to one event more than the other? And maybe not just Savannah, you know, including the RBC Heritage and things right around Savannah. I was, I was going to say the answer is, is definitely, if you're allowing me to include it, is the RBC Heritage. It's one of those weird things about sports media where like the days where we would go up to Athens for a Georgia football game or like Friday nights during the high school football season – it is so unbelievably busy. Like Heritage Week, I think we work uh, six consecutive six consecutive fourteen hour days, which is an absurd thing to say. But wow. it's also the most fun thing that we do because we get to go up and watch Dustin Johnson play golf, and we get to watch Jordan Spieth, and this year Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler, like. The Heritage, every year that I was here and that I've been here, the, the field has gotten better, which is not always a thing that happens for the not biggest events on the PGA Tour. Right. So the fact that it's gotten better and bigger and more popular every year that I've been here, and the fact that, you know, when you're in any industry, but I think especially an industry that is really at heart about letting people know what is special about the place they live. Like that's really what the news yeah. is about, unless you're a hard news reporter, uh, being able to have been around long enough to really understand what makes something like the heritage tick. Uh, that, that has been the thing that I've looked forward to most every year. Well, and plus, I mean, I think that's Mount Rushmore of media spreads is, is the RBC heritage. You're not kidding, man. The lunch spread. Oh my God. Yeah, I used to go to that. I used to go to that tournament like with an empty stomach on purpose, and then just spend the entire morning tea times just in there watching the golf and eating as much as I possibly could. Then I'd get out for <laughs> I'd get out for the afternoon tea times. Don't tell my the old pastry spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell my old editors that though. Um, yeah, uh, Greg, uh, you said on uh, the the last Thursday Blitz countdown on December third, which is your high school football preview show. For those who don't know. Um, uh, and I'm an alumni of that show. Uh, you said that it was, quote, uh, the thing that you are probably most proud of. So in a way, does that mean that I kind of am responsible for making you proud of yourself? Absolutely. I have very low self-confidence, and the only reason I'm now proud of myself is because of you, Travis. Yeah. You know what? I deserve at least a parking spot, maybe, you know, maybe a ribbon or something. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean – I guess it's time to break the news since we're getting around to me saying things like... I think it is. Like, like it's the thing I'm proudest of. So like, and you and I did the, the Friday night... You, I think you did color commentary for our final high school football broadcast of the year. That's when that I right? found out that you... Yeah, that's where... Greg Talbot is leaving WSAV, but Greg, that's when I found out and you said... Uh, you said, I didn't tell you, Travis? Like, yeah, I, I, think kind of bar- I think we kind of buried... I think we kind of buried the lead in this podcast. Uh, Maybe I, so. I, I am, yeah, I, I am, uh, after almost five great years, uh, I'm, I'm leaving WSAV uh, at the end of the year, and I feel, and we'll talk about this more since we have the kind of unlimited time on this podcast, but I feel tremendously fortunate that I am uh, bouncing out of the local news business without bitterness, without anger, 
without having become like overly cynical. I feel like most people who leave the business do it and they're just pissed off and they're angry about their mistreatment or their gripes. I feel very lucky to be going out on my terms at a, I mean, I'm not young, I'm 29, but at an age where I did not let being a lifetime newser make like dark marks on my soul. So I feel very <laughs> lucky to be going out having good feelings about it. Well, Greg, when did you cons- like when did this start, you know, becoming a possibility for you? Like when did you start considering uh this change and, and also wh- what is the change leading to? What what's next for you? Yeah, so 2020 uh for all of us, I have to imagine, uh it has been nothing but one giant opportunity to slow down to take stock of where we are in our lives versus where we eventually want to be in our lives, what we are currently finding meaning in in our life, and what, as we enter adulthood, we really want the things that we've built our life around, those meaningful things to be. And I just, you know, this this spring, uh, when we went into lockdown, you know, March, April, maybe into May, I hadn't seen my parents since Christmas because, you know, we weren't allowed to fly home. We weren't allowed to get on airplanes. Right. And I hadn't seen my brother in three months. In the Northwest, and, right? Yeah, back in the Northwest. And I, it just became so abundantly clear that I was still enjoying my job at WSAV, but once we went into lockdown and once relationships were forced to become strictly virtual, except the people who I saw in the office every day at WSAV, uh, I started to think, you know what? I, I mean, I do have friends out here. I mean, but, but I'm really like kind of emotionally alone out here. Uh, physically. Now, like, like I said, I'm lucky to have friends and people that I do care about around here, but to realize just how physically far away I was uh, from the people who I have these lifelong relationships with and the people that I love, that really hit me pretty hard. Yeah. And I, I turned 29 in May and you know, that's that, that that's a weird one that's going to shake you when it happens to you, Travis. So, you know, being a year from 30 is a weird thing because 30 is a big take stock year that you want to be moving forward with with some positive momentum. And so I was kind of reevaluating. I felt good about being 29. Now I feel I am 29. I, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, yeah, so uh, t- this year was a really year to take stock for me. And then... At the same time, something kind of fortuitous, uh, although it didn't look at at the time, happened. Where uh, So I went to Gonzaga University in Spokane, and there's a girl three years older than me uh, who, when she was 29, got a job and uh, went from her mid-sized market to Denver. Big city, major league sports teams, major college sports. And this year... This this, this uh, late this spring, she just quit. She got out of TV. She was 32. She is talented. She is kind. 
She is good at her job. We come from the same college. And I was like, oh, my God. It kind of shattered the notion that I think everyone in this business clings to for a while that I currently like my job and I, I'm currently okay making the money I make. But, boy, wouldn't it just be great if I got the job in Phoenix or if I got the job in Denver yeah. or if I got the job in Orlando. You're always thinking about the next market. And, and when I talked to her this spring, she said, I'm not unhappy. I'm not angry at my station. They don't treat me like garbage. I don't hate Denver, but I'm just not as happy as I'd like to be. And the sacrifices that you have to make to live this life, working this job, just aren't worth it anymore. And the, the part about the sacrifices you have to make really resonated with me deeply, uh, just because, you know, the sacrifice that I've had to make to have this job is as much as I've loved it. I've had to live the whole country away from my friends and family for, for almost five years. Uh, but you know, the, the sacrifices that you have to make in order to live this life and do this job, if you're not in the place where you're from, uh, those, those sacrifices start to weigh, you know, they start to weigh on you. And so yeah. it was kind of early this summer where I started to think, okay, I just turned 29 I still enjoy my job, but now more than ever, because of the pandemic, I am very aware of how far away I am from the relationships that matter most to me. And maybe it's time to start thinking about going home. Uh, and th then the question was, is it time to get out of TV? Which is a wild thing and was a wild thing to hear myself say, because I had been broadcasting games since I was 15. I started when I was a sophomore at my high school in Portland. And yeah, baseball, right? I had built all, all sports. Yeah. I was the voice of the Lake Oswego Lakers. And awesome. every, uh, every, I broadcast every one of my high school's football games and basketball games for three years. I went to Gonzaga for a broadcasting degree. In, in colleges, I spent my, while well, my friends were getting drunk and working weird summer jobs, I spent my summers on buses driving around the Midwest broadcasting minor league baseball. Like, uh, because I love sports broadcasting so much, I made it my life from, like, 18 to 29. Yeah. And so it was a weird thing to consider. And also weird because everyone in my life assumed that I would be a lifer. Just because not only do I love it so much and my passion for it is so evident, but I'm also good at it. So I think a lot of people thought that, a lot of people thought that I would be a lifer, and they were surprised to hear that I was, you know, kind of considering it this summer. Uh, well, Greg, can, and, I, can I ask you, is there anything that could have kept you at – is there anything that could have kept you in the TV, you know, industry, like be it money oh, or uh, money location or – I mean – I think I would have considered it if, if there was a sports director job in the city that I really wanted to go to. Okay, yeah, so it had to be uh, an ideal – yeah, I mean, it would have had to be. It would have had to have been perfect. So, once I realized that 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 you know, TV probably wasn't where I was gonna spend the rest of my adult life. I, I was very fortunate to have kind of had an emotional uh, backup plan for a couple of years. I always had thought, and I'd always been told that I would be a terrific high school English teacher. 
because anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that as much as I do love sports, I have just as much passion for great movies and great music and books and poetry and plays, all that stuff. Uh, I'm just so drawn to great storytelling. And that the understanding that I knew that I, that I could be a great teacher, that's kind of what locked it in alongside the fact that over the years at WSAV, when I first got here, I, the thing I loved most was covering big events, like covering the heritage or covering Georgia football games. Uh, but by the time 2020 rolled around working with high school kids for our high school football game of the week was my favorite thing. And the Thursday blitz countdown talk show was my favorite thing. And so the fact that I realized the thing that I loved most about my job at the moment was working with high school kids. And the fact that I know that I could be that amazing English teacher that teaches kids why Hamlet actually fucking rocks and is not boring. The fact that I can teach it, that I can go off, off lesson plan and teach kids why born to run is the fucking best. Like I'm going to be that really cool English teacher. I think that kind of gets the hooks in kids early uh, and, and it's going to be just as emotionally gratifying as sports broadcasting. So uh, I'm really excited for the next chapter. So at the end of the year, I'm headed back to Spokane, Washington, which is where Gonzaga is, where I went to college. That's emotionally been home for a long time. And, uh, and I'm going to get my master's in teaching there. And then I'm going to teach high school English in Spokane. And I could not be more excited about being back in a place where I have friends and family and deep emotional relationships and a real sense of uh, investment in that community and my university. It's going to be a very full uh, adult life for me back there. Hey, Greg. uh, So I've been producing this thing. I did have one quick question, though. This is Spencer, by the way. Um, Sure. Do you think uh, you spoke about the delusionment and kind of the shattering of the idea of jumping from one job to the next, the bigger market, the next, you know, the next big carrot? Do you think that is a little bit of an indictment on the industry itself? So like the TV industry and where it's heading, everything seems to be heading more digital. The landscape's changing a lot. Or do you think that's just you kind of wanting out of the game in general? Who wrote that question for you? That, that No way you came up with that. Just came up with it. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's a couple different ways to answer that. I, I Now that I'm getting out of the industry, I do feel comfortable saying that as wonderful as local television stations are, they are still making money and they are still staying afloat because local companies are still willing to pay to advertise there. But I, I think anyone's lying if they think that there is a uh, an upward trajectory of, of people watching local news at, at 5, 6, and 11 every night. There will always be content producers in local communities. And, you know, TV stations will stay around in that capacity. Um, but it, it, it really didn't have anything to do about, uh, it really didn't have anything to do Spencer with, with the industry. It was really more that I wanted to go home to the place, to the people that matter to me. But I would also be lying if I didn't say that part of it is that, you know, I'm 30 I think, you know, in the next X amount of years, I'll probably have a wife and kids. And the idea of working until 11, until midnight, five nights a week, when I've got kids at home, that doesn't sound particularly emotionally fulfilling to me. I think a lot of people our age can uh, understand that sentiment. 
I mean, I can yeah. certainly, yeah, I can yeah. certainly relate to that. And what you were talking about earlier, the, the thing about being alone, you know, for you, it was heightened, obviously, because you're on a, a completely different coast than your family. But there is a sense of when you're covering sports and when you're, it's sort of like there is no real gratitude to it. And the only time that there's notoriety to it usually is is negative. And, and you sort of get trapped into thinking that, there is no, or at least I did I, at times, I think I would get trapped into not realizing there's still stuff going on outside of whatever beat I was covering. Like, you know, sometimes I'd be so focused on, you know, like if a guy entered the transfer portal that, you know, that I would be scared to like go to sleep at a certain time. You know what I mean? Like I was so locked in because I was going to miss something and yeah, there's, there's something, a loneliness there, there, to it. There is, there's something to that. Uh, and the way that I kind of realized maybe a year ago, kind of what I had started to realize that I, I didn't particularly like is that when you're working till midnight, five nights a week, and your job is the central thing of your life, especially when it's in journalism, there is a tendency to start observing life instead of really being the main character yeah. in your own life. Yeah, that's very, damn, yeah, that's astute. An astute point. Um, Greg, well, from, from a future English teacher. That's what they're going to pay me for. Oh, ca <laughs> oh Captain, my Talbot. Indeed. <laughs> um, Greg, when you decided um, to come to Savannah, um, you know, from what? KNDU TV, right? From Washington it's State. And the Tri-Cities, two hours from Gonzaga, middle of the state, my first job. That's right. The hustle and bustle of, uh, of the middle of Washington State. Um, uh, when you, when you're coming to Savannah before, you, so you've accepted the job and before you've gotten here, what were some of the things you heard, thought, or just assumed about Savannah and the Southeast? And then maybe once you got here, was there anything that you were like, holy shit, like it's not like that at all, at all, or maybe it was even like better or worse than you thought? Tons. Um, so I, I have been very lucky then. So like I said, when I was in college, I spent my summers broadcasting minor league baseball in different parts of the Midwest. And so I had experience with a lot of that part of the country. I, so I grew up in San Francisco. We moved to Portland when I was a teenager, and I went to college in Washington. So I've had the West Coast covered my whole life. I've had most of the Midwest covered uh, in my college years. And then, you know, um, my, my family, you know, we had family in the Northeast when I was growing up. So I, funny enough, the South was the one part of the country that I had never gotten to. So when I got the, the offer to come interview out here right after New Year's in 2016, I was going in completely blind. Like, I, I don't know what I expected out of Savannah. I think I was expecting, like, old racist white people, sit, like, with, with sweet tea sitting on the porch with doilies, you know? They don't, and, they don't uh, use doilies. No, but, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. I, when I first moved here and, and since then, I have been floored by the, 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 how unique these and creative these mid-sized southern cities are. Places like Savannah, Charleston, Asheville, Chattanooga, Greenville, St. Augustine, like these places are great. And, and, and Savannah, you know, one of the very best among them, like, I was so blown away by the fact that there was the, the, the SCAD Film Festival. Like, I, I would get, during fall, I would get to see 
films released early that would eventually go on to win Oscars. Like my first year here, I think I, I think it was like nine months after I got here, it was the 2016 SCAD Film Festival, and I saw La La Land before it was released, and I was just blown away. Like that that doesn't Holy happen. Holy shit, in that's wild! I didn't know. I didn't even yeah, know that was. It was amazing. Then. Yeah, it was, it was it was amazing, and. But like the, the Savannah Music Festival, it draws great acts. Like the last couple of years, they had my the man who has my heart, as you know, Jason Isbell. The Drive By Truckers have played in recent years. Dawes has played in recent years. There's good bands. There's good food. There's a creative spirit here uh, that always, to me, actually felt a little bit akin to the West Coast. So I was surprised how the creativity of Savannah combined with some of the creativity of the places where I came from in Portland and San Francisco kind of did close the gap between feeling like I was the whole country away. Uh, I was surprised so pleasantly at how hip Savannah was compared to what I expected. Uh, Greg, I don't know. And you know, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not sure. I also care too much about whoever's going to be replacing you, but if you, uh, if you did have interaction with him before he does or she replaces you, uh, is there a bullet point of things that you would tell them? Like, don't do this, definitely do this. Or, I mean, is it just kind of sink or swim? You know, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, is there anything you can tell them that yeah, would, yeah, that no, would help? I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, I was talking to Connor Delfried, our weekend sports anchor, about this the other day. I was like, okay, so what, what, what should I do for the next person who comes in? Like, obviously, I'll like make like how-to lists and stuff. But the one thing that I think transformed in the best way from the time I got here to, to now is that there really is no faking caring about the thing you're covering. Uh, yeah. For as much as over the years, as much as you and I have rolled our eyes at some of the me other media outlets when it comes to like Georgia Southern coverage, Travis, um, people are drawn to that stuff because it is so evident that those outlets care. And, you know, it, it's hard to jump in completely blind and care. But boy, over the last couple of years, have I really learned how to care about the community and care about the sports scene and care about the characters who make it up and care about the stories being told. So I, I would say, you know, if the person is not from around here, the, the, the thing they have to do is really find the entry points into being able to care. All right, Greg, you, when, when you're talking about leaving the sports media industry and specifically TV, uh, that, that kind of, and I don't know what this says about me, that kind of makes me immediately go to, well, how, how the hell is he going to use his Twitter profile then? Like, wh how, what's he going to post on Twitter? <laughs> and I, I think that does say more about me, but I guess I just wanted to ask you what, uh, it sounds maybe stupid and shallow, but I think it's sort of a big decision, right? Like, what, what's next for you on Twitter? Because, I mean, you are a pretty solid follow. Yeah, uh, I've been weighing that because anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I make it very clear that I think Twitter is a gross cesspool of, uh, of not particularly good people trying to show how good they are morally and at their jobs. 
I truly believe that if we kicked all journalists off of Twitter, the world would be a better place. And I think part of the reason, Travis, you might agree that I'm a that I'm a pretty good follow is because I like to dispose with a lot of the bullshit pretense that comes with a lot of journalists on Twitter. Yeah, the virtual signaling is real. The virtue signaling is real on Twitter for sure. But see, I'm yeah, I'm sort of the exact opposite. You're trying to virtue signal? No, no, no. I'm saying I I love, like I love. I, I know I I see what Greg's saying and I agree with him that it is that. But it's almost like I don't. Once it, once you accept it, like and, and know it for what it is, and don't treat it like you know it's all the end all be all, then I think it's worthy for some things. And I think it toughens up a lot of people too. Right. And Greg, you are a good follow and it would be a shame to lose you on Twitter because we need people like you out there. Uh, <laughs> but what are, what are some of your, uh, your favorite moments? I, I know you and Travis have corresponded a lot. And like you said, it is a little bit of a cesspool, especially with Georgia Southern. I've seen that over the years, uh, starting as a lowly freelance sports writer. Oh, you're really working your way into this one. Oh Yeah. Starting as a lowly freelance sports writer, I would put my uh, opinion out there every now and then on Travis's like larger page, his whale page. Uh, but what's some of your favorite moments over the past few years on Twitter? Any notable beefs? Oh, God. Yeah, Travis and Rico, right? <laughs> that's one of them, yeah. That, uh, but that's what I mean, Greg. Like, I think that kind of – like, there's – I go about it, a, I think it's fair to say, a completely different way than you do. But I don't know that one's like – you know, better than the other. I, I think it's just like completely opposite kind of methods. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, what do you think I, whenever you're, whenever you're like, if you watch one of those Twitter beefs go down with me, which are pretty regular, uh, like, what are you thinking in that? Is it like annoying or you just like laugh at it? Or Cause I, well, no, I, pretty, I, 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 I think it's great. Cause you're usually right. And my problem with, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, Part of the reason that I love it when you beef with people is because you're right. And on the rare occasion when I beef with people, I don't beef unless I'm sure that I'm right. And the, the wrong, the, the part about Twitter that sucks is that it is this place where these white upper middle class journalists are so sure they're right about everything. And they're almost, they're almost never right. Yeah. They're almost never right. <laughs> and, it, and part of the reason I want to, delete my twitter is just so i mean i'm moving back to the pacific northwest god knows i'm gonna have to deal with enough people who are raised in the white upper middle class yeah i was about to say there's agnostic <laughs> background like they're gonna i'm i'm kind of going back into the belly of the beast but like i can't deal with them virtually even when i'm around them regularly i just have to get away from the from the writing bourgeois class they're the worst do you think that um I mean, is it fair to say that TV in Savannah, or, or let me be broader, media in Savannah um, it is similar to other markets of its size, Greg? Or, or do you think that it that there are things about this sports media market that are unique? You know what I mean? Because I haven't really, I haven't been in other markets working full time before. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is how other markets this size are, or maybe it is. Well, the, the best thing, my, my favorite thing about the Savannah sports media thing is, is how nice everyone is to each other. Because in my first market, even though it was like a market 130 and we were covering like single A baseball and high school sports and like not real sports, um, 
the other station was the sports guys were so competitive to us. They were such dicks. And when I got here, I was so pleasantly surprised to find Ken Greiner and Frank, and then eventually Jake Wallace and 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 Amy Zimmer. Like, and then I I really I mean. I don't think I have the authority to force my news director, who's been great to me, Kevin Brennan, to hire who he wants to hire. But, I mean, I, I think it says something that the people we hired were Rex Castillo and then Connor Del Preet. Like, what I got the sense of is that in Savannah, if you treat people nicely in sports media, you will get treated nicely back. So we hired good people, and the other stations, by and large, hired good people. And when I see people from other stations at games, I have always enjoyed – hanging out with them and shooting the shit because they're good people. Like that's not true in most media markets. Like most of the time, I think people are so competitive, even when they don't need to be that they end up being dicks to each other. Like that, that, that's no fun. So Savannah has been good that way. Yeah. That's And I agree with you on that too. Like, you know, all the, and it's almost like everyone's going through the same thing. And, and I was a little bit more locked in on a specific beat Georgia Southern and Savannah state. Whereas you were, doing pretty much everything for, you know, WSAV sports. But I, I think when you see the same people over and over again, you interact with them over and over again, you obviously have those kind of things in common. Um, I was going to ask you about Rex and Connor and, you know, I got a chance to, you know, meet both of them and get to know both of them pretty well. How, how did, like, how do you find a number two or like, what, like, what do you look for? Because like, you know, obviously it's not a, a seven figure job, Greg, but like, what kind of thing do you look for first when you're looking for a guy like Rex or, or Connor? Well, well, when, well, as a sports director, when you get like a hundred or 150 applications, you have to start with when you're watching the reel, like, is this person good or not? Right. And from there to me, I mean, because, you know, I, I don't know how many people are listening to this podcast who don't know who I am. Like I have to imagine if someone clicked on this link, they're at least kind of familiar with me. Yeah. And, if that's the case, you know that one of the things that I value above all is just, if at all possible, be cool to other people. And that doesn't mean you have to walk around being fake nice, but if you're just a genuinely cool person to most people, most people will respond in kind. So when you're looking at a stack of resumes and a stack of reels, of demo reels, that you do the stack, is this person good enough? Is this person not good enough? But then I, I'm like, does this person seem like they're going to be fun to be around? Because when, you, when it's a two-person sports department and you don't get a lot of help except football Friday nights during high school football season, they are like the person that you are working with like almost exclusively three or four days a week all year round. Like, right. you have – I mean – I am very lucky that the, that our, that our, that that our news director like let the number two criteria be: Do they seem like someone that I want to spend a lot of time around? And I was so fortunate that our boss let me hire Rex and then let me hire Connor because, boy, th this job can really suck if you don't really really like the person that you're in the trench with. Because if you don't like them, you're alone. Yeah. Like you know, news reporters are doing their own thing. In newsrooms, if you're not in the sports office, can be tense, high-strung places where reporters are, like, looking at dead bodies and stuff, and they aren't always the most fun people to be around all the time. And, you know, a sports person, like, that's got to be the person who's got your back, man. Like, you guys are in the trenches working long hours together. And if you don't really like that person, the job can be a drag. 
So the, 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 the other criteria was always, do they seem like a great person? Uh, and I was right, thankfully, on both counts, that, that Rex and Connor were, were great dudes. Like, those guys have been what really made the job worth it to me. All right. Thanks for listening to our interview with Greg Talbot of WSAV. We'll get you right back to that interview shortly. But first, I want to tell you about W. Smith Music. W. Smith Music in Savannah is your source for events, weddings, parties, and anything that you might need music and DJ entertainment for. Book W. Smith Music today at wsmith.bookings at gmail.com or call 912-661-1476. That's W. Smith Music at 912-661-1476. And now the rest of our interview with WSAV Sports Director Greg Talbot. I, I wanted to get into a little bit with Georgia Southern just because that's what, you know, you and I, I think, spent the most, you know, the majority of our hours when we were, you know, working together on different things was Georgia Southern and Savannah State. A lot of the, and again, maybe it's just because I was too close. Did you feel like the last two years, three years, specifically with Georgia Southern and Savannah State, has been a rash of negative and a rash of like extremely positive? Does that make sense? Like, like with Georgia Southern, the ten and three season, like we thought they were not going to be very good. I mean, if you go back and listen to you and I on the uh, like opening episodes of Georgia Southern on the Extra. podcast, right on the podcast. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, that's the beauty and curse of those things that they live there forever, but we didn't think they were going to be good. Right. And so that's a miracle thing that happened. Then 2018 happens or 2019 happens and everything on and off the field was shy where it's Quan Griffin, uh, um, a player committing suicide, Jordan Wiggins. And then same thing with Savannah state, awful program. And then extreme highs. It seemed like, the last couple of years with those two programs has been extremely high and extremely low, which is a good thing, I think, yeah. for reporters. And, and the only the only part where that's not true is what we're currently experiencing with Georgia Southern, which yeah. is this which is this middling crawl to a five hundred finish. It seems like, uh, and that's you know, I, my first year here was was Tyson Summers, and. Boy, that was a ride to experience my first season covering that beat to see that happening from the outside was, was really something. Yeah. And then 2017 was a mess too, even though Chad came in and saved it in the back half of the season. Uh, really. Wait, so your first year here, was that Tyson Summers first year? Yeah. 16. So you came in year one with Summers. My first year covering Southern was 18 and that was Lunsford's first year full time. Yeah. I, I came in. I came in with Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to Chad about that before, about how like I felt at least that that kind of put us in, at least we had something in common, like something on the same side that we're both kind of going through that for the first time. Um, Yeah. Chad Lunsford is such a good dude, man. Like one of the things that I am looking forward to saying in my goodbye message on WSAV is I, I, I don't think it's possible that a place, I mean, I don't think it's possible that that any place can have as many good coaches, like who are truly good men, as Savannah has had in the last couple of years. Like, think about it. At the, at the college level, Chad Lunsford and Mark Byington, really great guys. Yeah. Savannah, Savannah State in the last couple of years, Sean Quinn, Horace Brodnax, exceptional men. High school football, Matt Lazat, Jason Cameron, 
John Hout, B.J. Payne, Ken Cribb, Baker Woodward. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Danny me? Brett, Mark like, Stroud. You can keep going. That's like, true. Just like, a, like really, really good men with good hearts doing it for the right reason. Like, I don't know what – I mean, it was good when I got here, but, like, sometime around 2018, like – it was like there was this new administration of the younger coaches like around the 35 years old area like really taking over. And I was like, gosh, like what a fun, good group of people to be covering. Like the coaches here have really been great. Yeah, and I think Lunsford's done a good job too of – specifically Lunsford done a good job of kind of letting, letting the media be a, a part of it, so, sort of opening their doors. I mean, Georgia Southern obviously is pretty well-versed at – slipping things in and out where they want them and kind of controlling the cycle as much as they can. Uh, you know what I mean? They're not amateurs in that department, but they've opened the door more than a lot of college football programs. And, you know, Sean Quinn and Savannah state have done that tenfold. I mean, Savannah state was, I, they weren't even close to a brand. I mean, you couldn't, it would be a joke to consider them closer. And now Savannah state is a brand already. And it took them maybe what, 18 months Max, to make that brand? Honestly, of all the stories around here in my nearly five years that I feel privileged to have been able to see, one, number one was, and probably will always be, what happened when Jason Cameron took over Jenkins. Like, that was an absolute miracle, and it was this beautiful, inspirational, aspirational story for this public. Greg, I do got to say one thing real quick, because I've always, and you're not the only, I do think Tim Adams gets kind of pushed aside because of how like it's almost like mark rick and kirby smart like tim adams was a jenkins was a very good program and they were the best in the city cameron took them to four levels up but like i don't know i just always feel like that because i knew coach adams really well you might be and you're right about that because they were they were already the best public school team when i got here but they were not like yeah they're not like what cameron had they were not final four and it wasn't only what we saw in the field was the thing like so many kids going to college and like covering yeah. Jenkins signing days with those kids in their suits and their moms and their dads and those dresses and their suits, yeah. the, the, the pride. Like I think the first time I like the 2019 Jenkins signing day, honest to God, Travis, like I might've shed a tear. It was like one of the most beautiful examples of a coach really understanding how to improve the life of people in the community. So that's the number one emotional story for me. But like the most fun I've had being, I guess, quote unquote, part of a ride of a team was the Sean Quinn era at Savannah state, like launching the Sean Quinn show last year and, and getting to do that show with him every week. I still think you guys this, played this, this a monster D2 team. Yeah. I mean, it, that the, being part of that, getting to do the Sean Quinn show God, like that was fun to be a part of. But see, Greg, and that's what that's another thing that I always liked about the way you guys, and that's why my this is why my TV has always stayed on on WSAV is because you guys don't mind doing both. You had me on, and you extensively covered the NCAA infractions that Savannah State had, all the while while covering the fact that they were signing local kids and that they had some momentum going. Like it is possible to do both. And to help, like, do your job is to do both. And that's what I always loved about you guys. Like, alongside NCAA infractions would also be, like, a story about how great the recruiting class was because that's what the truth was. You know what I mean? And the same well, thing exact, could be said about that's exactly Armstrong. exactly right. Like, like, yeah, you're right. Like, what, one of the things that 
I'm afraid people are just going to start realizing when they listen to this how pissed off journalists make me <laughs> on the whole. But like, if they follow not, you, I think they know that by now. It's not hard to pursue the truth without seeming like you have a vendetta against the subject. It's not hard to have balance if you are aware of your own biases. Yes. And the fact that so, and it's not even just Savannah or sports, or it's all media. The fact that people are, are so unwilling to, to, to admit their bias. I think the only way to really pursue truth is to acknowledge your biases and then go at the truth, understanding how you as the storyteller feel like it makes me feel really happy to hear you say that stuff because like, you know, it, it took some triangulation for us to be like, okay, well, we have to cover the negative stuff that Savannah state did, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're becoming a locally produced powerhouse. Those are both true stories and you can tell both from the understanding of just trying to find the truth, which often lies in the middle. People make this huge deal out of trying to like, defend the fact that journalists are, are unbiased of course they're biased all you have to do is find your bias and then with that understanding try to tell the truth yeah exactly and, and greg when you guys did stuff like that when i looked at stuff like that and I, i'm you know i don't know this but i'm pretty sure i i'm not the only one that thinks this way around savannah it, it gives people like me where like when i'm sitting at the computer in the newsroom, in the middle of the night, cons- you know, looking at mugshots of players getting arrested or, or NCAA infractions, like we just got a records request or coaches. Start- like it gives you, it gives other people in the media, or at least it did for me, confidence that that is, in fact, newsworthy. And like, I don't know, it, seem- it seems like sometimes, and-, and especially now, I think this season specifically with Georgia Southern, there are so many things that are known you know, throughout the circles in the media, Greg, like, like whispers and rumors, but rarely is it actually being reported. And I think maybe it's, you know, not for lack of knowing, I I think maybe it's for an effort to try to, you know, avoid the negative press as much as you can. But I, I don't know. I never thought about, I never thought I had time to think about whether I should like write it or report it or not. I would just, I would, you know, if I knew it, I would try to report it immediately, period. And then if I couldn't, I felt like a failure. So I, you know, I don't know if that's what kind of... Because you knew that your, because you knew your responsibility was to your audience and your, to your community. Your responsibility was not to Georgia Southern. Right. And that's why, like, and we had Mike Anthony on the last episode, uh, Greg, and I know, you know, Mike and him and I look at Georgia Southern pretty differently. I would say, you know, he admits that he's a diehard Georgia Southern fan. He's a graduate of the school. Uh, But you know, I've told him I've had a real problem with the way the, the the Wesley Kennedy stuff and Chris Harris and all this stuff has been coming out. I mean, I've heard this story three or four times. And, and so I know people on the beat have heard it and still it's just lingering out. No one's talked to Wesley. Where, where's Wesley Kennedy's lawyer? No one's re- No one's tried to find a lawyer. Uh, no one, you know, when Bob DeBest leaves town at Georgia Southern, no one wants to try to talk to him or do any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Just because it's not convenient and it's not released by the school. And I, I don't think that would be like the job of someone like you, Greg, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like as a sports director, it's not necessarily your job to be like spending hours 
you know, trying to find a story that may or may not be there, right? It, there's people on the beat for that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it'd be one thing if I was just a designated Georgia Southern reporter for right. WFAB, but we've got so much other stuff to do that I don't have time to be doing, you know. And your long... viewers don't come to you for in-depth, like they want all the sports. That's exactly right. And, and you know, I again, not for nothing, I think part of it is that the two of the three TV stations have sports directors who went to Georgia Southern University, not impugning, not impugning their journalistic integrity. Jake and Frank are good guys. But I, I think there is a Homer, and it's not bad because it's this way in a lot of part of the country. There is a Homer desire in Savannah. I think people want to read good news about their community and read good news about their teams. I think Georgia Southern fans uh, are, are, you know, are, are similar that way. I think they yeah. want to read the good news. And if you're the only, but again, if you're the only one out there with the negative thing, like then you be that sort of becomes your brand. I think, I, you know, I may have like stumbled into that at some point that I, like I thought maybe at some point I was like looking too far into negative stuff, and that's when I started really caring about jersey number changes. The opposite, <laughs> <laughs> like that, I would start writing like eight hundred words on on a, a, a player switching to a single digit number. For you calling games on ESPN uh with Georgia Southern and, and and being on that platform do you do you see that let me let me figure out how to ask this so during the game like you're calling the game you're not watching reactions to what you say or what you call but people surely are reacting on Twitter and Facebook and usually not even using your name they just say like the ESPN announcer is this or or they they mispronounced it so after a game you did you ever go back and like look at that almost like a player like watching tape or do you just throw it away and and, and move on to the next well, one well i whenever i do play by play for a game i always watch it back just as a as a viewer to see you know how to watch my calls um so i could get better uh, i was very fortunate wherein that i believe that the, the 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 pretty clear majority of my georgia southern play by play was well received I'm very lucky uh, yeah. because a lot of people really hate their ESPN3 local announcers. So the fact that I would say that, you know, 80% of the stuff that people tweeted at me was nice, that is exceptionally rare. I don't think that's a usual thing. No. Um, uh, so the, the fact that the Georgia Southern fan base, you know, didn't come for my throat is a very nice thing. Uh, I will tell you the weirdest, scariest thing that ever happened to me in that department, though. Go. I think it was last year, 2019, midway through the season, Southern was, like, really playing like shit in one of those home games. I forget who it was against. And at halftime, I get a call from a 912 number that I don't have in my phone. And I pick it up, and I go, yeah, hello? And this guy in this, like, deep, thick accent is like, are you rooting against Georgia Southern? I go, no. He goes. It was Rocco. No, and then he, and I was like, who is this? And this guy goes, hail Southern. And then he hangs up, like trying to threaten me into being nicer to Georgia Southern. Let's go. That's awesome. At halftime, like, who the fuck is this psycho? Um, is there a, that, that was Greg, the, is there a little bit of respect for him, though? He got your number somehow. I, I, I think my number's on my website. I don't think oh, it's that hard Oh, okay. Well, that, that's not, never mind. Yeah, exactly. No, that's extremely Damn, I don't know why I'm trying to... I just tried to immediately put hit this guy, this creepy guy on a pedestal. Yeah, he did. Why do I do that? I don't know. Yeah, that's where that's you... Because that. you, you sense a kindred spirit. Right? You know what it is? That That is exactly what it is. And I can't stop thinking about them and talking about the, tw the Twitter trolls. Like, 
it's it's almost like I like them and I and I enjoy the back and forth of making those. Well, they make your life a little bit more interesting. I love it. I love I love the juice they bring. Yeah, but uh, but by and large, Georgia Southern and, and and the people who watched who weren't Southern fans, like by and large, people were very complimentary, uh, which which I'm which I'm lucky because most announcers get get really destroyed in the comment section. Greg, when people find out and when they listen to this podcast and they find out that you're leaving, and when you do, I guess your announcements. Well, well, let me ask you this first: How will you be? How does that work? Because like on Thursday, Blitz Countdown, the show that you said you cared a lot about, you you I guess weren't really given the option of saying it there. I mean, if people go back and watch oh, that I, last episode, you can kind I, I of feel, you can feel I, it. I, I, I absolutely could have. So and, what went and, into and, that? It, oh, I, and it's actually kind of funny, like because like maybe a month or two ago, when you and I did our final Friday Night Blitz broadcast of the year. I think people could maybe gather based on what I said in the post-game show that I was maybe leaving, even though I didn't say it. The reason I don't want to do it yet is because I really get annoyed when uh, on-air talent throw themselves a parade on their way out the door. I think it's self-gratifying and I kind of egotistical to just assume that everyone wants to say goodbye to you yeah. and that everyone wants to wish you well and pat you on your back on the way out the door. It annoys me. Um, so I, I, so on the Monday of the week I'm leaving, I will post my little announcement on Twitter and then I will get dinner or get drinks with the people that I really care about saying goodbye to. And then uh, on my last night on air, I'll do a little minute or two monologue that I haven't written yet. I, 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 I oh, you haven't written it. even a little bit of it. You haven't even like no, rehearsed any of it. Well, I, I, we're, we're recording this. We're recording this in, in early in early December. Like I've got time to write. I've got time to write. It. I can just picture you over the stove, like stirring stirring a pot of noodles or something. Like <laughs> this is Greg. No, that's stupid. This is Greg Talbot. No. Um, I I'll write that when the time comes. But uh, I, I I'm. I, I've intentionally kept it pretty close to the vest outside of people who I want to know like you, Travis, just because I, again, like it's my being annoyed with on-air talent and journalists thing. Like I don't like people making a big deal of themselves on their way out the door. I'd rather it be a, a nice so long and a nice farewell hug. And we'll talk later. Well, Greg, I mean, you know, not, I don't want to sound like a kiss ass at all here, but like I, you deserve more than more than three or four days of, goodbyes and i know that you won't do that and that's not what you want so you know but i will say that i am firm in, in believing that you deserve more than that and that you've done a lot for i think you've done more than you know for the savannah sports media uh you know industry but i think by by impacting the media you've impacted also the fans because that you know that changes how certain things are covered um Greg, what do you hope that people would say about your WSAV sports program? Like your tenure there, what would you hope that, you know, is the trademark of that, of that uh, tenure? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're, you're going to laugh when I say this. Uh, when I, when I came here, well, first of all, when I, when I accepted this job, I was 24. I was too young. Like Kevin Brennan should not have hired me when I was 24. <laughs> you can say that, that now. I, I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I, I had this idea in mind of like a, of, of, of a bar stool, like a, like a tripod, three legs, 
One leg was live production, like the live games and the live Georgia Southern broadcasts. Two was great storytelling from Connor Del Preet and Rex Castillo. And three were the nightly sportscasts that found a way to convey the truest version of what happened that day without homerism and without bias. So that's kind of a weird answer because I kind of gave you three answers, but I believe somewhere in the middle there was trying to do things that mattered to the community, whether it was the live games and getting those kids exposure or Rex or Connor's great feature packages. It, it was trying to find a way to convey the truth with integrity, but also with a smile. Well, yeah, I think you did that, you know, tenfold, Greg. And plus, you know, looking back at some of the pictures of you at, at when you were 24 coming to Savannah from, uh, you know, the giant market of KNDU-TV, uh, you had a great head of hair, and maybe that's why, why your boss why your boss on you. I, I think my hair might be even better now than it was, if you can believe it. Well, so that's a little bit of arrogant of you to, I mean, to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long, it's got a long road ahead of me. My dad is 63 with still a full head of hair, Travis. It's not going anywhere. All right, Greg. Well, hey, we really appreciate you covering our man. This, this was an honor for us. And, and I know the Savannah sports community is going to miss you. So I hope your last month, uh, your last month here is good. And hopefully we can catch up before you leave and, and get a cold one. Yeah, man, you, you and I can go to Abe's on Lincoln and grab a couple of beers at, at midnight one night. See, kind of socially that's different. the kind of thing I mean, um, Spencer. He's immersed himself. Abe's on Lincoln. That's yeah. a reference. Yeah, um, that's an insider bar for sure. It, it's it's been a Savannah has been good to me, man. Uh, and I, I have had some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows of my life while I've been here. But that stuff happening with 2020 piggybacking on it, I weirdly feel that as I catapult myself towards my 30th birthday next May. I think I've never understood myself better and more than I do now. And I really think my time in Savannah uh, was the reason for that. And I, I will always look back on my time here with, with appreciation and with, and with fondness because in the words of the poet Mick Jagger, and we can end on this, <laughs> you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes you might find you get what you need. Yes. Pro, pro <laughs> move, pro move. All right, Greg. Well, hey, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks a lot, and good luck to your Zags. You're number one in the country. That's good stuff. We'll see you guys later. See you, bud.